0: chapter 5, we'll be reading today verses 14 through 20. And these verses will carry us over the next five weeks as we journey through the Lenten season toward the Holy Week. And each week we're going to take a different section of the scripture and expound on it as we go through the series, Christ's love compels us, based on verse 14. Hear God's word this morning. For Christ's love compels us, we are therefore Christ's ambassadors, as though God were making his appeal through us. We implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. You'll recall from our earlier messages this winter on 1 Corinthians that the Apostle Paul spent 18 months in Corinth as he founded the church there and helped to equip leaders and mentor them and to see people come to Christ and the church thriving. He helped to provide a sure, firm foundation in Jesus Christ's ways and teachings there for the people. He preached the gospel, mentored leaders, and taught them how to live fully devoted lives to Christ Jesus. Later, you remember that he received there were news that there were serious divisions in Corinth, And Paul would send Timothy there to help the church to get things straightened out. Maybe Timothy could be seen as that first church consultant to go down and help work things out. And Paul also wrote the letter that we have as 1 Corinthians to be a model, to serve as an example for how the church could model health and growth, resolve its differences, and to be about the work of being a vibrant church in Corinth. Sadly, things got better before they would get things got worse before they would get better. And Paul had to make what he calls a painful visit there to the church. And that's recorded in 2 Corinthians 2, verse 1. He confronted the troublemakers that were dividing the church. But this did not prove effective. And as you read through his letters, you know that there weren't many things that gave him more grief. Than the troubles at Corinth. Paul wrote what scholars call a severe letter, which was delivered by Titus. 2 Corinthians chapter 2 and then chapter 7 refer to that letter. And after a great deal of distress and angst, Paul finally got a report from Titus and was relieved to hear the news that things were indeed better. The church had resolved many of its issues. And it's after hearing this report from Titus that Paul then writes 2 Corinthians. It's primarily a letter of encouragement. There are several objectives in the letter as we spend time over the next several weeks on this part of 2 Corinthians. He wanted the church to forgive and restore the people who caused the trouble. That's hard to do, and he said it needed to be done. He also wanted to let them know that his travel plans had changed and that he wouldn't be able to come as he had originally planned. He also wanted to encourage the church. The first seven chapters of 2 Corinthians are about encouragement. The word comfort or encouragement means to be called to one side for help. As when one of our church members is in the hospital or sick or having trouble or has experienced grief and loss, we come alongside to encourage them. The Greek word is paraclete. It's the same word that describes our comforter in the Holy Spirit. Jesus says, I will give you a comforter who will come. Well, this verb for comfort or encouragement occurs 18 times in Second Corinthians. The noun appears 11 times, so that's almost 30 different uses of comfort or encouragement. Paul wanted to help this group of people who had been through so much, who had been divided, he, he wanted them to see, to experience healing, and maybe some words of encouragement would help that to happen. He also wanted to help them to finish the offering that they had started that would go to help the needy believers in Jerusalem. And then finally, perhaps nowhere else in Scripture do we gain such a clear insight into Paul's own struggles as a preacher. He writes of having been persecuted, of having nearly died numerous times. He describes his thorn in the what? Do you remember that? Thorn in the flesh. And he also speaks about God's grace that was sufficient for him. He heard those words, my grace, Paul is sufficient for you. All of this is in 2 Corinthians. I commend it to you. Is If you are one who needs encouragement, start there at the beginning and read through this letter. It's a beautiful letter. Some people thought that Paul was out of his mind. And in verse 13, he, he says, hey, if we are, it's for God that we are out of our minds. And he says, if we are in our right mind, it's for you. So he's trying to encourage The believers that his care for them is genuine and that he steadfastly wants the best for them. This leads us to the key verse for our entire series. Verse 14. For Christ's love compels us. For Christ's love compels us. The little word translated for is the Greek "gar." and it assigns reason or explanation or intensification it can mean because because Christ's love compels us we do these things or we are called to these things it can be it can mean therefore it sets up something that we are expressing as a reality it explains that everything that Paul did was motivated by the love of Jesus Christ Paul says Christ's love compels us. And then the next part of that verse, Christ's love, if you're taking notes, that is the visible evidence of God's love. Christ is the visible evidence of God's love, the incarnation, God in the flesh. Deuteronomy 10, 15, Moses says this to the Israelites, Yet the Lord set his affection... On your ancestors and love them, and he chose you, their descendants, above all the nations as it is today. And the Israelites would have heard that passage or those words like this The Lord binds or tethers himself to his people. And the Old Testament word to express the love of God here is chasach, and it implies a love that is bound to another or tethered to another. It's an unfailing love, a steadfast love. It reminds me of the husband who day in and day out gets up and goes to the nursing home to take care of his wife, to provide her breakfast, to lift her coffee up to her lips, and when a little bit drips out there he wipes it off, to lift the spoon of oatmeal so that she would have some nutrition that morning, to make sure that everything is just right, to make sure that there's not a risk of fall. And all of these things remind us of that steadfast love, that love that is bound to that other, that is tethered to that spouse. Cecil Sherman was my seminary professor, and when his wife Dot was diagnosed with Alzheimer's disease and later lived at Westbury Canterbury, West, Westminster Canterbury, he says this, Every day I sit with her in her room, put my arm around her, and tell her I love her. I do this every day. Often I do it several times a day. When I tell her I love her, I am telling her that I'm going to be with her no matter what. She is not going to be abandoned. What I promised a long time ago in Greer, South Carolina, where they were married, Dr. Sherman says, it is a promise that still holds. Chasak, love. A love that is bound to another. Chasak is expressed in agape love, as the New Testament Greek records it. It is less an affection. It is more a decision or a choice. It is less a feeling, more an action. Agape love is an exercise, as one writer says, of the, d- the divine will and a deliberate choice made without assignable cause save that which lies in the nature of God himself. Or stated more simply for a person like me is what La- Max Licato says. And I love Max. He puts it in my terms. Easy to understand. He says, this agape love is where junkyard wrecks and showroom models share equal space in God's garage. And I just love that. This love explains why Jesus came to give everything of himself to us. It is an unconditional and sacrificial love. Your and my goodness cannot win God's love, nor can your or my badness lose it. It is unconditional. It is expressed perhaps in this illustration. This past week, my family and I attended or w- went to the musical Beauty and the Beast. The Character Works Theater puts it on, and it, uh, some of our students are involved in it. And it's just a great story. No matter how many times you've seen the movie or seen it in the musical, it's always as if you had seen it for the first time. And there's that one part where, you know, Belle is searching for her father, Maurice. And he has been captured and is imprisoned in the beast's kingdom. And Belle searches for her father and finds his hat there at the gates. And she goes in, and then the beast confronts her. And what are you doing? And she's here to find her father. And there is her father behind the bars of the dungeon. And then she tells the beast to let her father go, and he will not do it and then she says well let me take his place and the beast is confused by that confounded by that but the beast says okay but you must promise to stay here forever and she says you have my word done says the beast and he frees bell's father Belle was willing to take her father's place that he might be set free. And this is a picture of the unconditional love of Jesus Christ, the life-giving, life-changing love that compels us to act in this world. Christ's love compels us. Sunecho is the word. Christ's love compels us. Suneco. Some of the passages in the New Testament where Suneco is found refer to Uh, A fear or a sickness. Sometimes those things can overtake a person. So this idea of being consumed by fear or by sickness. Some of the passages are about being surrounded when things press in on you. It's used of boats that go through a tight channel where there's not room on either side. Just just like the isthmus of Corinth uh, if you've ever been on a cruise and have gone through there. There's not much room on either side. It also reminds us of how we face trials and temptation like Jesus when he was in the wilderness and was tempted by the devil. And you heard that passage read earlier where he overcame those temptations by relying on the word of God. But the temptation was surrounding him or encroaching upon him and he stood firm on the word of God. And other uses of Suneco refer to being compelled or drawn into something. And this really gets at this understanding of Christ's love compelling us. Us, we who are believers in Jesus today. It's not a forceful love. It's, it's not a love that pressures us. It's not a love that requires you to sign something and act. It is a love that compels us. We are so overtaken So compelled by the unconditional unconditional love of Jesus Christ that we are compelled to act on his behalf. We have to do something. We have to share his love. Christ's love compels us. And because of Christ's love for us, we are compelled, if you're taking notes, to do the right thing. That's called passion. When God wells up passion within us and we feel like we cannot... Not do something. We've just got to act on those passions that God has welled up inside of us. We cannot not do something. That's the second thing I want us to take away today. There might be something or someone you see in the community or in the news or in this world, and you are like, I cannot not do something. Christ's love compels me to engage in that mission or ministry. And third, we are drawn into a deeper commitment to God. That overwhelming, compelling love draws us closer to Him. And we will want to draw closer to God. We will desire a deeper commitment to Him. To live on mission for God. To advocate for justice. To become a new creation. To live toward reconciliation between God and our fellow believers and neighbors. We begin this journey today as we break bread together in Jesus' name. Christ's love compels us. Jesus met with his disciples the night before he died on the cross, and he took the bread, and he gave thanks and blessed God and blessed it and said, this is my body, take, eat, as often as you meet this do in remembrance of me. And in the same way, Jesus took the cup and he poured it out, blessing God, giving thanks, and said, this is my blood which is shed for you for the remission of your sins. This is the new covenant in my blood. As often as you meet together, drink it and do this in remembrance of me. Almighty God, we thank you that we can gather.